Hello, my name is Abiva Silverman and I will be having a conversation with Mountain for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experience of trans identifying people. It is December 29th, 2018, and this is being recorded in my apartment on Broom Street in Chinatown. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Could you tell me your name and your age if you want to? Yeah, my name's Mountain. And I'm 29. Um, and what gender pronouns do you use? I use they and them, although sometimes she, is, she and her is also good. Mm-hmm. And how would you describe your gender? Um, it's kind of subject to change pretty frequently, it seems. But um, I'm non-binary and more recently trying to be more specific with what that is. And so I'm thinking agender. It's probably accurate for me. A term that I've like made up and actually sounds more accurate than anything is gender agnostic. <laughs> so that works for me. And um, I'm also intersex. And that's it, I guess. That's my list. Um, I think we'll just start with the beginning. So where were you born? I was born in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, and what do you, if you can remember, what was your first memory? I remember moving out of a house probably when I was like two years old. I just remember a big carpet being rolled up. Hmm. And where were you going? We were moving to just um, the neighborhood that I grew up in, that I actually remember growing up in, which is um, a place called Stonely. And what was your family like? What was your family background like? Um, in terms of... Um, I don't know, just things that kind of identify like your childhood or like mm. the, the way that you kind of like formed through being in a family unit? Mm-hmm. Um, well, we are white and definitely compared to most affluent, um, I guess is upper middle class like a thing? Because that's I think what I've been telling myself we are, but it might just be that we're upper class. Um, and... Like, I grew up in, like, uh, an area with a lot of, like, white liberals, um, which my family is included in, and, um, my, uh, folks definitely valued, um, education and, like, acceptance of their children, so I did not have a very, um, strict childhood which was I think good for me um was there any kind of like religious background oh no actually not um I mean sort of like de facto Christian holidays and stuff but we never went to church Mm -hmm. um never had any like parental conversations about God or even spirituality so much um although some of my relatives are more Christian and so I would like go to church on occasion with them but and do you feel like their lack of like strictness or the ways in which they allowed you to kind of explore helped you find certain facets of your identity yeah definitely I mean I was so lucky that my folks were extremely accepting of me being like as fruity as I was growing up and they just like really encouraged that like they would buy me Barbie dolls which like growing up ostensibly male like I never experienced any friction about with my family. Um, 
And yeah, I just liked all like girl things, you know, like in quotes. Not that I was perceiving them that way necessarily. I just liked pretty things and like, you know, when you go to McDonald's for a Happy Meal, it's like called the girl toy or whatever. So like that side of toys. But I guess I liked a lot of stuff. It wasn't like purely like feminine branded toys. But yeah, my folks never um, discouraged that in me and that pretty much was consistent for a like really long time and then maybe in high school sort of started or actually in middle school there started to be more like gendered um parental um intervention of some kind can you remember any of those or? when i was in middle school um well leading up to that like sort of in line with what i was just saying about my parents um encouraging the way I wanted to present myself and whatnot. Like I had almost, I had just tons of friends who were girls. Um, like normally I would be in like social groups that were comprised of girls and as well as boys too, but definitely always involved with girls. And when I was in middle school, my mom started to get very threatened by this um, because, and I only found this out much later because she never openly discussed this with me, but she was very scared that I was going to start experimenting sexually and get one of these friends of mine pregnant. Um, and so it like really changed like how I was like treated sort of. And part of that was also me growing up and like being a little more rebellious in certain ways. But like my mom suddenly kind of imposed a lot of like strictness around like me hanging out with my friends and stuff. And I really did not understand why. And then it was years later where I found out that it was entirely this like fear of hers of me getting someone pregnant, which was like so far from anything that was going to go on. It was like just the people I felt comfortable with and like wanted to surround myself with. Um, what was your earliest mem memory of a trans person? Um, I don't know if I knew they were trans, but definitely when I was like maybe 11 I'm gonna guess like kind of discovering pornography for the first time with Alta Vista image search like having parental search on but like figuring out the words that you can use where sometimes the image results come up with still like dirty pictures and I remember there being some trans women who like appeared in some of that pornography and me like fully not understanding like what the scenario was like um I think it's sort of coalesced, you know, <laughs> kind of like after that point. But the first person I can remember who I was like told was a trans person was in middle school. One of my friend's brothers, he um, transitioned. And at the time I was like thinking it was like a Jamie Lee Curtis, like having undescended gonads type of thing like the whole like intersex panic that like was surrounding this myth around Jamie Lee Curtis which I guess I had some access to but yeah thinking like oh he found out he was a boy so they must have found like testicles inside of him or something like medically like I don't think I fully understood that it was like had to do more with like an emotional um identifying so like I wonder how maybe my framework of myself would have been different if like it was flushed out like the conversation was flushed out a little bit more at that time and was 
how, how, what was your experience of being intersex at the time or like learning about yeah. that? Um, well, I didn't know that I was intersex until a few years ago. And um, the way that it was sort of told to me was just that I had a deformity um, that was mild enough that my parents didn't have the doctors correct it when I was born, which was something that was fielded at the time. And I'm very, I feel very grateful that my parents did not have um, the doctors perform a gender um, aligning surgery of some kind. Um, but I was sort of like told growing up that like, oh, well, you know, once you're older, you can get this fixed, like if you want. And I knew what it was called. It's called hypospadias. And so I would do like Google searches for hypospadias. And it would just be like all, like all of the results would be about like the corrective surgery. So it would be like pages and pages of images of just like dissected penises, like flayed and like being rearranged, like all of it very like medical and like kind of bloody. And so only like a few years ago, like maybe like five years ago when I was doing a little more deeper research and I was coming into my transness, um, did I find out that hypospadias is sort of like a contested form of intersexuality where um, like a lot of doc, like the medical, the way the medical society um, frames it is as a deformity of male genitalia. Um, and part of that, like when you compare it to the um, ways that other intersex conditions are um, addressed in medicine, has a lot to do with just like protecting the, um, like protecting masculinity. Like often um, people who are deemed like intersex are, would like in conventional normative frameworks be um, female identified. Um, or assigned female birth, like, I guess there's the term, like, coercively, assigned coercively at birth. So those people would probably be coercively assigned female at birth. Um, and so there's, like, some thought of this, like, form of intersexuality that I have as being, like, not allowed into, like, the intersex conversation because it's, like, they're able to frame it in this way where it's just, like, protecting of, like, male, um, like... I guess it's part of male fragility of some kind, you know, like, um, so like I didn't have access to any of the conversations around like intersexuality until like very late. And, um, I kind of still have a lot more to like explore with that because I'm not involved in any kind of like intersex community or it's not an open conversation really. I don't like know necessarily how to identify because it is sort of something that's like, mild like in air quotes and like um you know in medicine is not considered intersex so part of me is like I don't know if this is mine to claim or something but um I think it definitely has like shaped my perception of myself in the way that like I kind of um like just was introduced to my own body as something that was like wrong and needed to be corrected and that's very much in line with a lot of intersex people's um, uh, upbringing and whatnot. And how do you feel like the internet helped influence your access or ability to understand all these things? Like, how, yeah, how has the 
shaped and either helped or hurt the way Mm -hmm. that you process all this information? Well, none of this was really conversations that I was able to have in person. Like, certainly growing up, I didn't really talk to my mom too much about, like, um, like gender or, um, like, physical presentation and all those things. So, like, sort of exploratory Googling or uh, altivisting whatever like web search exploratory web search was like really necessary for um just like being introduced into some of those concepts but without having any kind of like helpful framework um like one that would be attached to like a trans community or a intersex community like you know groups of people who have been able to flesh out a narrative to be like an empowering one it was like kind of confusing um but i'm sort of rambling a bit i'm losing oh it's totally fine i'm interested in the ways in which you describe yeah coming to know your relationship to being intersex with like words like it's mild or like Mm -hmm. i don't know if i can claim it and i'm wondering if that's related to some sort of shame or anxiety Mm. around uh, just around that identification at large or or just not being able to find the, pe- the right people or people that identify as such yeah. to then kind of like explore the relationship to that too. I mean, I definitely had a lot of shame when I was growing up and like into like high school um, around it, like not knowing that some claim it as an intersex identifier. Um, and I think finding out that it is within intersexuality makes me feel a lot less shame around it it's just something that isn't really an active conversation as I've seen it and I don't have I don't always feel the um like you know sometimes I okay (laughs) I don't know how to start this conversation so Mm -hmm. if I'm not um like hearing them going on it's like hard to necessarily interact with that whole whole stuff do you feel like you are aligned with like a certain trans or queer community in which you can share certain aspects of these um questions or ways to relate yeah i mean i think there's a sort of general fluency um with a lot of the folks who i'm surrounded with um and so it's less of a leap Yeah. Can you describe what folks you're related to or, like, community (laughs) you're a part of? Yeah, I mean, um, I think what I would consider community would be sort of a little more incidental than maybe what I... the, the, The community that I'm within is more incidental than something that sounds, like, coherent and singular, like, community. Like, it has to do with just, um, the folks in New York who I've grown friendly with like introducing me to more people and there being like a kind of general kinship around having um sort of divergence from normative gender or even just normative um perspective about the world and what was new york like when you first moved here um well i only moved here in march of this year so i'm still kind of learning what new york is like but um it feels good to be here. I like that there are, like, 
people that I can access if I were to take the initiative to. Like, it's nice that there does seem to be a really fleshed out um, uh, community of people. And I'm sort of still learning my place within it and how to most comfortably um, insert myself into things that I feel like I want to be a part of. Yeah. Um, and I like that New York has just a tremendous amount of diversity. So there isn't... I rarely feel like I'm the first trans person that someone's seeing. Like, I think that most people just are unbothered by, like, not understanding necessarily, like, everything that's going on around them. Whereas I was living in Philadelphia for 10 years um, before moving to New York, and there was a much more, like, provincial sort of attitude where someone didn't understand your deal, or at least some people who didn't understand your deal would, like, make it your problem. Like, they would, like, yell at you in the street, like... (laughs) what was like the queer scene like in philly um in philadelphia there's like you know disparate queer scenes as i'm sure is the case in many cities um the one that i was involved in and was also a big um point of entry for understanding my identity as a trans person was the radical fairies who I was introduced to, I was introduced to that community, which I, that is the community I would consider, like, coherent, and, like, even though it's, whatever, there's, like, a way that it is, uh, outlined, you know, and so the Radical Fairies I was introduced to from a boyfriend of mine after we had broken up, and I was smoking a lot of pot at that time, and it was, like, a lot of pot consumption, in the Radical Fairies. So I think that was probably a really big deciding factor as to how much I was involved. And I started dating someone from the the fairy community and, like, would um, just participate in different community things, like dinners and um, events and stuff like that. Um, But that's only one of the queer communities in Philadelphia, and that one's, like definitely really problematic um what are some of the problems um i think that uh the radical fairies being a group that was started in the 70s by cisgender gay men as a separatist gay male group has lingered like that origin continues to in some ways govern who has the biggest influence in the community in Philadelphia at least and I'm sure that if I was interacting with the fairies at a different like now or you know two years prior it would have been different um but the folks who kind of were like putting in the work to make this like community happen were also pretty limited in their um like identities like it was primarily middle-aged white men Um, who comprised, like, the governing roles of the Radical Fairies. And what made it challenging just to feel sort of fully um, accepted into it is that they preached, like, a radical acceptance, also in air quotes, but one that didn't include them providing any protections or 
like addressing head on um, types of adversity and like um, sexism or racism or any of those things in actually trying like there was a time where I was really trying to involve myself in ways in that community that did that would um, orient it towards what I considered radical acceptance which would include like different avenues to address racism sexism etc um, and me trying to start those conversations was considered like really um, like not acceptable and so I was sort of like ostracized from this community for trying to um, uh, incite positive change or what to me seemed like positive change so I just like peaced out (laughs) I guess have there been any other groups since that have felt like politically or like yeah like easier to kind of initiate those conversations with in a way that hmm yeah, made room or space for for the ways that you feel, mm-hmm. yeah, politically or, like, emotionally. I think uh, operating on a smaller scale, like, just one-to-one with friends and, you know, small, really small friend groups and circles has felt a lot more manageable and comfortable. Um, but that hasn't, that hasn't really been the same type of change that I felt was needed in the fairy community for me to feel comfortable being part of it since with like the friend groups I'm in now there isn't really like there's no like unifying identity or like named events like like fairy brunch or something you know there isn't like like the same type of um like boundaries to it so it hasn't felt like necessarily the same it hasn't at least been as obvious the ways that it's like lacking in making those boundaries like more porous mm. um and to kind of swerve yeah yeah um i wanted to ask you about like the evolution of your creative life mm. like yeah i don't know ways in which you've kind of started somewhere and like where what you're doing now mm-hmm. yeah um i did art uh, from a very young age and was encouraged um, in art making by my parents uh, really enthusiastically. I, you know, was signed up for art classes um, and was just like praised a lot in my art making. And I suppose in some ways I did have sort of like um, abilities with art that were a little bit beyond my age. So like it was something I was good at and was it was like a point of pride for myself that I was good at art and um and something I liked so I continued doing art in different capacities um and and I ultimately went to an art magnet high school in Maryland transferring from a private middle school that I had been going to um which was a a Uh, like the ideology of the school or no I shouldn't put it that way the tastes of the school like the types of art that were privileged and encouraged and taught um, were figure based like representational figure based painting for the most part and so I sort of like adopted that as being the the, um, art that I valued most as well and that continued into the college that I went to which is a place in Philadelphia called Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Art 
which is extremely traditional. And like, I was like drinking the Kool-Aid for traditional figure painting, like for, um, like the first two years that I went there and then sort of tried to diverge, um, for my junior and senior year. And graduating, uh, was discouraging. I've felt like after trying to shift from shift to a different type of art making, like wasn't like successful at it in the same way that like being like praised for doing something that the school valued doing it well, um, like really made it challenging to continue in art, um, art practice after graduating. And the art that I'm doing now has more to do with like the doodling that I was doing like in school than it does so much with the art that I did as my coursework. Um, I, it also kind of emerged out of this period of my life where I was, um, hanging out with fairies and smoking a lot of weed and, um, just like started developing a more rigorous drawing practice for myself, um, which has been really positive for me to explore and uh, elaborate on for the past, like, I guess four or five years. You know, it also kind of lines up with me, like, um, coming into my transness, like starting this art practice. So there's a, there's sort of like a coherence with my life that began like five years ago up till now. And, um, now I continue doing the drawing practice that, and it's, it's sort of applic the way I'm applying it into, um, physical work is through tattooing, um, which is something that has been very positive as a trans person to be able to sort of manage my own money making that way and, um, like interact with like people in a way that feels comfortable and safe and also giving tattoos to a lot of trans people, thankfully, and like providing like an alternative to some forms of tattooing that are more, um, discouraging or, or threatening for people with, of different identities. Um, so yeah, I guess that's what I'm involved in now. Um, we're back. So I was just thinking about body modification since mm. tattooing is this like super permanent way to kind of committing to a way of shaping and, um, thinking about, yeah, yourself. Yeah. And I wanted to know more about your relationship to that mm. and ways that you, th that you imagine, I don't know, using these tools mm -hmm. to kind of like, uh, self-actualize. Right. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Um, uh, it definitely feels good to be able to alter your body in ways that you don't have to go through a, um, medical gatekeeping process or like a particular type of trans narrative that suggests the type of changes that are more affirming than others. Um, like feminizing surgery or masculinizing surgery. And as someone who's agender, those, those kinds of things not always making the most sense. Um, so being able to just like change your body and kind of like set the terms of that yourself, um, for me has been really positive. And I think like the more tattoos I get, the more at home it feels to be in my body. 
Um, and I think I've heard the same from some of the folks that I've tattooed as well. So it's nice to um, also kind of help folks like access that type of thing. Do you have any plans for future tattoos right now? Um, well, I'm hoping to learn how to use a tattoo gun because I've just been doing stick and poke um, and using the tattoo gun would kind of like solve certain problems that I have with that. But uh, I think I'm just going to practice on my leg um, and have it be kind of scribbly. back so you're gonna practice on your leg um yeah and do you feel what types of relationships do you form when you tattoo someone else um I mean I've been really lucky in that most of the folks who I've tattooed have at the very least been quite pleasant um I have not been in a scenario where it felt like, um, like challenging to be around someone because the process of tattooing is pretty long for me. Like each tattoo will take like between three and six hours. So that's like a, a, enough time to be with someone. And I definitely feel like glad that it hasn't been hard to do that. Um, and the conversation that occurs sort of, you know, ranges just like polite to being like more friendly or more, um, like, uh, like establishing a type of kinship. Certainly with like trans folks who I tattoo, there can be like some more, um, interesting and personally meaningful conversations. Um, so is there some is there some that you could sh something you could share that like struck you in creating this kind of intimate work with mm -hmm. someone mm -hmm. um i don't know maybe not <laughs> uh i think that it's less meaningful than like other relationships that I have because at the it's it they are sort of purely work relationships and it does feel like being at work um in ways that I like but not it doesn't usually feel like uh like uh the type of intimacy that I would achieve with like if I was tattooing friends or something so maybe that's another way of like framing it is that it's really I really love giving friends tattoos because then that um you know it being able to give a tattoo to someone who's in your life and seeing the tattoos like over and over and like having that person trust you enough to let you change their body and put like your art on them feels so meaningful to me with with friends um and it doesn't really feel the same with folks who just, you know, hire me to put tattoos on them. I mean, I still like doing it, so. Um, 
do you feel like in your these spaces that you've created in New York to connect with friends and bond in particular ways that you can express like the full gamut of your politics or the, the way that you orient yourself around um, what, what you're feeling or do you feel like there's only ways that you can like access that through online spaces or through other spaces? Mm. I think living in New York has been part of a larger attempt of mine to just be more present in my life in general. I think that's something that I continue to need to work on. Um, And I don't really feel like I'm there yet. Um, I, I think a lot of the way that I spend my time has to do with isolation and avoidance still. Um, I say that because in Philadelphia, that was something I kind of struggled with a lot. And moving to New York was sort of an attempt to insert myself into my life a little bit more. And it's like on its way, but I don't necessarily know if I've achieved like a type of comfort and openness in any particular space where I can access like my my like politics and life and things like that. And similarly online, I don't think it's like super uh, facilitating of that either. Like I think a lot of the, my like ways of being online now have more to do with like avoidance than like exploration. And what would presence look like for you? Mm. I don't know. I mean, I think like that's become the task to figure out. And I don't know it yet. Um, here's a question from the list. Can you tell me of a time when you felt seen? Right, yeah, I read this question in the email that you had sent with <laughs> What them. did it make you feel? Um, it, it's hard to think of something. I mean, I think like, it's never going to be complete, like complete, you know, um, coherence and presence and like, uh, sense of place and comfort and all those things. Cause you know, like I feel certain types of like, I feel seen in certain ways. Like when, for example, I'm like around my mom, uh, just having had like a, mostly open relationship with her for a long time and being able to have like frank conversations about things since being an adult. Um, it feels like she knows my personality like more than anyone else, but also because she's not like within like a trans community, she's like a cis, um, straight lady, (laughs) like in her sixties. So there's going to be particular like, uh, like subtleties of my identity that like are not going to it's not something we can really get into and that's I mean I guess subtleties is not the right word there's different like currents of my identity that like I'm is going to be always understood to some degree like with the way I relate to my mom but just in terms of like knowing one like someone knowing me I definitely feel like 
a different type of like being seen by my mom which is like you know still really wonderful despite there being these like other like um in uh um lack of fluency with certain things and then sort of similarly i think like with friends there are ways that like those currents that are perhaps challenging for my mom to to see are like really simple for friends to to get and possibly that's because they experience similar things or just they're you know like more aware of the world of that those parts of the world but um I think uh like it's rare to find friends for me where um there isn't sort of like a layer of like social distance of some kind um or at least uh like the the window of of those things opening is um like more infrequent or something and did feelings of like isolation and as you say avoidance come from like becoming more aware of your transness or like how Hmm. did the yeah that develop it like or it was yeah I mean I I came into my transness like at a point where um it was time to be an adult like I had graduated from college like um like a year before and uh sort of it was like the moment to like land on your feet as a as a person as opposed to being like within like school institutions and things like that and realizing that I was trans sort of like made that task so much harder and I really like um like kind of refused to land on my feet for a while and part of that was influenced by just sort of like a um fear of being misunderstood like discomfort in being in public spaces and not, not knowing how I fit into like a larger like world around me um and yeah it's been like a slow process to like try and integrate myself into like the world which I feel really proud of myself for having affected like a lot of change because I came from like a pretty isolated place like a few years ago like like marijuana was really challenging for for me to stop um and was like a huge part of my self-isolating and I was able but I was able to stop and I was able to like you know spend my time differently which like for a while was not did not seem as possible um and yeah like there are these ways that I can recognize um that uh like stuff feels possible and good and part of that is coming like being comfortable with like my identity as a trans person like more and more and have you found other, like, tools or, like, ways to, like, kind of, like, pull yourself out of these, like, moments of isolation? Mm. Like, 
through any kind of like meditative practice or I don't know. Mm. Um, I think I've developed some routines that definitely feel helpful. Could you share any of them? <laughs> just like skincare routines and like, you know, just like brushing your teeth every day, like that type of thing. Like it's just, it's just like extremely simple. Like go to bed at a particular time, wake up at a particular time, brush your teeth, wash your face. Like basically exactly what parents like tell you to do like growing up like following those things make me feel like a lot more capable of like existing in the world for whatever reason and do you feel like you lost some sort of sense of self-care prior to that yeah I think so like those things did not come like so naturally to me like self-care yeah and it's been really instrumental to um just like recognize how that stuff is important and put the effort into it and like I still fall out of that all the time but it's sort of like if I'm like in a bad place if I just like focus on those like small things even if I'm like only doing like one of them or something usually they one leads to another and it like kind of builds up into feeling more capable as a um like person (laughs) And I guess because we're a day before the new year, does uh, like the new year give you anxiety or does it give you some sort of like, like surge of energy? Hmm. I really like the new year, um, like as a holiday. Um, like I, I think it feels like an um, opportunity to insert something different and new. Um, and yeah, we'll see what the, what the new year holds. Do you have anything like hope, like whatever, uh, what people commit to themselves as changing mm. or doing? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I've sort of been trying to think about that. I think it would be nice to have a, a stronger sense of myself, just in general. Like, like, I'm not sure I know what my values are. Like, I know that I'm operating on some principles and like like codes but I don't really know what they are necessarily so I would love to find out more just like be a little more honest and realistic with myself about things um and come to those like core values and things like that seems like it'd be a good next step do you feel like you have a more ambiguous relationship to values because of the way your parents were less maybe restrictive or yeah I mean that could be it. And there was no, no sense of, like, tension or, I don't know, ethical code that they had that you've mm. had to kind of, like, develop against? There's... Right. Um, yeah, that's also true. Yeah, it's very interesting when I find out about friends' parents who are, like, very political and, you know, like, introduce them to types of, like, protest and, like, political narratives like at a younger age because that's just very foreign to me my folks like were really apolitical I mean they were you know generally liberal and generally democratic but not in ways that really became um like rigorous in the way that it seems like some folks um participate with politics um so yeah I think part of it is like the ambiguity of that understanding like has to do with it just 
being like more incidental in my upbringing as opposed to something deliberate or like reactionary or things like that do you participate at all like in the democratic Mm. like electoral way or whatever (laughs) like um i mean i i vote (laughs) but i don't really have like a rich political involvement in my life and um there have been moments where I've tried to establish some type of political life and it's been challenging because of the ways that like being in public has been hard for me for a while um like uh yeah it's just hard to feel like integrated into things like you know and I think that possibly is, like, a struggle that other trans people have. It's, like, if you're trans you, and you, like, want to be involved in particular, like, political conversations that aren't, like, about gender or about transness, you have to, like, bridge that gap of, like, your identity, like, diverging from, like, the normative um, when you're trying to, like, become socially engaged and involved. And I think for some, that's, like, not a problem. And they figure it out, you know? Or it just, like, is un- does not phase them. But for me, it's, like, pretty challenging to feel, like, comfortable in those situations. Yeah. Um. I guess we'll just ask some general wrapping up questions cool like if there's something i didn't ask that is coming to mind that you'd like to share hmm. in this particular kind of like time capsule capturing where you're at in your hmm. you know i don't want to call it journey but experience <laughs> mm-hmm. of evolving into a self that hmm. is many many selves at many times i don't know Um, I mean, that's nice to just have you, like, frame it as something, though. Like, that's helpful. I enjoy that. Yeah, I think this archive is interesting because of the ways in which you can return to this Mm. and see the difference Mm. or feel the ways that you felt at a particular time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess if there's anyone else that might be interested in participating, I'd be interested to know. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll think about it. Yeah, let me know. <laughs> Ask around. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Viva.